Hello and welcome to another episode of Her Moment in History. I'm Michelle. And I'm Grace. Welcome back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so this week we're doing activists, which is yes. an interesting one because I feel like a lot of the people we've already done have been activists in their own way, if you know what I mean. Yeah. When so I was doing my research, I kept seeing, oh, this would fit in this episode, in this episode, in this yeah. episode. But like it's just it's a it's a broad term, but it's fine. Cause... I guess yeah yeah it's very broad. So yeah, I've I was a bit unsure about the term for activist as well, like what mm. actually qualified as one and what didn't. So I did a bit of like googling, like googling the definition. But yeah, so this week I am doing Marsha P. Johnson. Ooh, I don't. Know, you... I feel the name sounds familiar, but I don't think I know who they are. I think, yeah, her name will be ducking around a lot of places, but she's kind of known as well for being one of the forgotten people in history, if you know what I mean. Only recently mm-hmm. did her name kind of come up again. So Ooh. she was born... So Marsha P. Johnson... I wrote this later in my notes, but I'll kind of go over it now. So Marsha P. Johnson is a, a trans woman. Oh. So, but the term, like, trans woman didn't exist kind of or wasn't really used when she was alive mm-hmm. so she never kind of referred to herself as that that's very sad so she referred to herself as gay and a transvestite and as a, a queen like a drag queen she always used female pronouns but she yeah was never identified as transgender but now like a lot of the research almost all the research will kind of refer to her as a transgender woman mm. Okay, so when she was born, obviously she was born not as Marsha, but as Michael. And she was born uh, August 24th, 1945 in New Jersey with six siblings. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, Her dad was an assembly line worker, mum was a housekeeper, so kind of standard working class family. Mm Mm-hmm. And as a kid, the family, and I think she was as well, was very, very religious. So Marsha herself had like a shrine in her, uh, not a shrine, like a, what's it called? An altar? uh, Mm -hmm. In her room. Was this Catholic or just Christian? I think it was Christian, but she was kind of interested in Catholicism as well. So she would kind of look into it. Which is, is an interesting kind of, the idea that, you know, as a queer kind of kid, even, like, to that in no way infringed... Yeah, the fact that they it, were so it religious. It seems rare and strange now to for them two things to be, like, associated together. Mm-hmm. It's, but it yeah. really shouldn't be. I mean, I get why it is, but I just... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, but that's a whole other issue. So, when obviously she was a kid though she started cross-dressing which was not kind of responded to well probably because of the religious background that she came from and also because obviously it would be the 1950s and they weren't a great time for anybody who didn't fit the mold so she uh, remained to identify as male and kind of remained asexual until she left home oh So she moved to Greenwich Village after graduating high school with $15 Mm. and a bag of clothes. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. 
so as you can imagine, she struggled for a while to kind of make money. Mm-hmm. Um, but that she, might have been... Well, so that, that wasn't a lot of money in the 50s. No, I the mean... 60s. I don't really know the rate of inflation, but I'd say that's only, still only about, like, what, $50 max? But Greenwich Village was the place to be in the 60s. Really? For, like... Because I know it was for, like, the gay community, but was it for... I thought that was where, like, all the the singers and stuff went. Like, Bob Dylan was there and stuff Whoa, like that. Whoa, I didn't know that. I might be completely wrong about that. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sure it is. <laughs> like, it was a big artist hub. Oh, right. This, sure. this is Greenwich Village in New York. If that yeah, helps. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, right, that's cool. one of my number. I mean, that's probably why she moved there, then, if it was, like, the place to be for, like, the celeb kind of glam. Mm, may as well be. Um, My God, was she in the film? The the we watched it for uni. Then I can't remember the name of. Paris Chloe is really like, that one. Was she in no, that? No, she wouldn't have been. Was she the dead one in that? Who was the dead one in that? No, because there was in in one of the wardrobes when they were doing an interview. Oh. There was the dead person in it. No one knew until after, like, 20 years later. I remember that. No, that wasn't... No, that that's not Marsh P. Johnson in the wardrobe. I remember that. I have a feeling, though, the person in the wardrobe was male. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling. Yeah, but anyway. But no, Marsh P. Johnson was not in that in the film. So after she moved to Greenwich Village, uh, she was homeless for quite a while and worked as a sex worker to kind of earn enough money to eat. And I think she was also kind of waiting tables at the time as well, just kind of to earn bits and bobs. And in the evenings Mm -hmm. then, she would spend the evening as a drag queen on Christopher Street. So Christopher Mm -hmm. Street is, actually, fun fact, was on one of the oldest streets in the West Village. And it's also kind of known as like the main street of the gay New York was it named after Columbus? It wasn't. It was named after another Christopher. And there was a lot of inter- information about this other Christopher, but I just kind of like bypassed a lot of it <laughs> because I just wasn't really interested. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, we don't care about men here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this street was kind of, it was where there was lots of gay bars and a lot of shops that would sell kind of specific clothing for different like fetishes and things like that. So it was kind of like a Ooh. a big kind of, sexual street if you like Ain't sounds best, fun um, so but um, Marsha herself was designing an outfit made from uh, or like adapted from things that she bought from like charity shops or thrift stores oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and at the time she went by she called herself Black Marsha but then very quickly decided later to rename herself Marsha P. Johnson as her drag name so Johnson mm-hmm. came from a restaurant in Greenwich Village on... I mean, the street's not interesting, but uh, I think that's the restaurant where she was waiting tables. And then the P Mm. stands for pay it no mind, which she would say to people when they would question her gender. Oh, I like that. Yeah, which is kind of (laughs) cool. So she quickly became kind of uh, known as a drag mother because she helped uh, a lot of uh, the homeless and struggling youth that were also living oh. in New York. Um, and she was known for her kind of open, optimistic personality, 
even though she was kind of struggling herself with a lot of kind of things going on she wore a lot of like flashy homemade outfits and decorated her hair with flowers Mm. and fruit and christmas lights (laughs) so she was kind of just basically like a beacon that for like a lot of lgbtq like youth that would go to for emotional support a place to stay jesus of the trans community literally yes <laughs> yeah and i think in a lot of like the articles i was uh looking at so i i got most of my information i watched a documentary on youtube about her mm-hmm. and also the independent did an article about her and in that oh. as well that they just talk about basically how she was though she she kind of showed how religious she was by becoming a religious figure to a lot of people if you know what i mean oh that's cool Mm-hmm. So it's it's quite nice that that's like that's the positive way to do you know religion to kind of take the message yes. and be able to pass it on a nice way. So kind of the main thing that she's known for or was is kind of yeah being brought back to be known for was forgotten about quite a bit. Was mm-hmm. that on June twenty uh, eighth, nineteen sixty nine? Does the date ring a bell? June twenty, but the moon landing close no so jfk was was shot no (laughs) she was the stonewall inn on christopher street oh i feel like i oh right yeah (laughs) yeah that 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 thing the police Mm -hmm. were went into the inn and began arresting people on ridiculous charges they were being forcibly removed from the inn in into police cars very publicly up the streets of new york to kind of make a scene about what was happening and this was in no way the first of these attacks either. So as you can imagine, mm. the LGBTQ community were getting really pissed off. As, yeah, as you could understand. <laughs> as you could understand, yeah. And Marsha was one of the uh, few women at the time who was actually in Stonewall because the bar was only open to gay men. So oh, okay. nice sprinkling of misogyny in there, but... Uh, Anyway, Just a tiny bit, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it was then that kind of incident that then sparked riots that went on so many streets around the area that were kind of kind of. Marsha P. Johnson was known as like one of the instigators of them, along with her friend Sylvia Rivera. So Rivera Ooh. was often said that Marsha had saved her life, and so mm-hmm. again, she, Rivera was one of these kind of people who saw Marsha as a one of her you know a mother so mm-hmm. marcia said that uh she so there's a few kind of conflicting reports about what went on and one of them was that she threw a shot glass at a torched building screaming i got my civil rights and a lot of people said mm-hmm. that it, that yeah that her throwing that first shot glass could be heard around the world that was like one of the the things that then kind of sparked yeah kind of the whole movement other people say that she threw a police officer uh she threw, threw a police officer that she threw a, <laughs> brick so at a police officer i know that would have been a lot more like straight <laughs> to the point but a lot of these stories were contested as to whether yeah. or not they're they're real or not but whether which one were ever real it was certainly kind of one one of the first people who resisted and led to a wider resistance at, at Stonewall, and thus one of the leaders of the gay liberation movement. Whoa! Yeah, I feel yeah. I feel like it has to be said there was they, the first person to physically resist like 
the uh, what was happening was probably a lesbian that was named Stormy Delavery, who sadly died mm-hmm. in 2014, but she as well is a massive kind of figure in the kind of gay liberation movement and and, oh. civil, and, and the rise. Mm-hmm. So in the documentary I watched, Rivera said that there was a lot of bloodshed that night and then the movement started the next day. So marches and demonstrations mm. went on through the gay neighbourhoods of Greenwich Village for about a week afterwards. Whoa. That's a yeah. long time. It is, yeah. Non-stop. And Rivera and Johnson also co-founded Star, saying that they needed something that was for their own people. So Star was the Street mm. Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, which has recently been renamed, I think, to Street Transgendered Action Revolutionaries, which cool. was a service that provided shelter, food, clothing, and emotional support to homeless LGBTQ youth. Oh, I know. Um, I know. Um, <laughs> and originally they did it kind of, I think, just at a home in New York, and then it spread to mm. Chicago, California, and even England at one point. Um, and it was like one of the first of these kind of places that existed within that country. Just making me teary. I know (laughs) it was me too when I was reading through it I was just like this is so good but as the gay rights movement grew people wanted to kind of push Johnson and Rivera out because they were they were too different and this kind of really pissed me off this next bit so because the kind of yeah the movement was now kind of being more led by weight by weight by white cisgendered gay men and lesbians And they were trying to prove that they were no different from their straight neighbours. Whereas, like, obviously people like Johnson mm. were, were trying to prove that they were kind of different in the way that they were, you know, fabulous. So yeah. it, they were kind of pushed out to the point where at the 1973 Pride March, which was the first Pride March that happened, Rivera was even blocked from speaking. She wasn't allowed to speak. Oh, whoa. But she got up on stage anyway and grabbed a microphone and said, if it wasn't for the drag queer, there would be no gay liberation movement. But she was booed off stage. People, why? I don't know. And this is like, it's your own people, if you know what I mean. And Mm. in, in the documentary, there was a lot of transgender people coming forward and saying, well, you know, they got their rights, yet they just seem to forget about, you know, transgender people who are still fighting mm. for it. It's just, it's just equal battle. Just everybody fighting for one another. So Johnson was also arrested around this time uh, for p- hitting police officers who were confronting her. And she hit them with her bag, which had bricks in it. Of course. <laughs> which, amazing. Um, <laughs> uh, and when she, So she got arrested and she was pulled in front of a judge. And when he'd asked her why she was hustling, which is what she'd been confronted for, she said she was trying to secure money for her husband's tombstone. Well, at the time, oh. is that her, sex... Sorry. Her, like her, him, who she was? Is that is it meant to be? No, she literally just made the story up. Oh, amazing! <laughs> so <Better>. yeah, because <laughs> then they said they said, uh, "So what did your husband die of?" And she just goes, "The the pigs ate him." So it's <laughs> it's yeah. So for it, she got sent. To, she got ninety days in prison for assault, but she ended up serving them in Bellevue Hospital instead. So I think over 
her kind of lifetime she was arrested about a hundred times for just various things mm-hmm. so yeah so after kind mm-hmm. of the the pride march incident happened rivera just left activism uh because i think she was just tired of being ignored for it but johnson kind so of stayed sad. i know and when obviously like the aids crisis hit in the ni- uh, 1980s johnson continued her work for marching and speaking out she marched with mm-hmm. a group that was called act up she helped with fundraisers and she kind of helped to nurse her friends on their deathbeds oh I'm yeah. kind of imagining where this is going. and Yeah, I mean, do you want to take a moment, enjoy kind of like her good life? Or do you want me to read yeah. the next line? Okay, you can read it now. <laughs> in 1992, Marsha's body was found floating in the Hudson River. Oh. Yeah. I know. Was it that just... a uh... murder? Is it suicide? Did she... Well, yeah, they ruled it as a suicide like almost immediately, but no one believed it except from like I think mm-hmm. one of her friends said that he believed that she would have done it, but everybody else was like, I don't think so. Plus, there was a massive head wound like on the back of her head, um. uh, and several people had come forward and said that they saw her being followed by thugs and fighting. So, yeah, um. the case never got. Sp- solved uh it was really messed up and there was a lot of kind of people going to police saying like we want you to solve this case but they said nope we've solved it it was a suicide so yeah no one would kind of go anywhere near it for a long time but then in 2012 Mm. this woman called uh, mariah lopez went to new york police and they and got them to reopen the case as a homicide Mm -hmm. but as of yet there is still kind of nothing has come yeah. from it but we'll see and then in 2018 the new york times published the belated obituary for her Only 2018 oh. like oh. yeah oh. yeah and in 2000 i think that same year or maybe this year she and rivera had monuments in greenwich village made for them oh um, that's good and uh, they also, the two of them also feature in a mural that was created by Homer Riot and Suriani, which is dedicated to the queer liberation. So they're both then in oh, uh, wow. this um, this picture. I think Johnson's kind of repeated in it many, many times. But mm-hmm. yeah, and mm-hmm. that's, I rushed through that. I'm really sorry. I was quite excited to, mm-hmm. to kind of to say it, but... Yeah, so that was Marsha P. Johnson. So, fantastic oh. icon, but... Very sad. Yeah. Why do people suck? I, yeah. Yeah. Why? Do I mean, if they suck? didn't, we wouldn't have a podcast. But... <laughs> <laughs> Very true. I like to think that the reason we have a podcast is to celebrate. Also, kind of mourn the loss of the information, yes. but kind of just to to celebrate these women, um, yeah. because they are amazing women. It's just so sad that a lot of these stories are ending in like sadness. It's like every single one. I'm just like, why don't I know who this is? Yeah, it's just every single one, and it yeah. drives me insane. 
I know. Because I was going to do uh, another person this week because I bought a book recently about famous act- uh, famous people from Nottingham on one of the pages mm. about an activist. And I was talking to um, my mum and my sister about it and I was saying about, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of maybe doing this person. And my mum went, well, what is an activist? I was like, well, it's kind of, it's like this. And as I was describing it, I was like, for example, Marsha P. Johnson, she did this and this. And mum was like, why don't you do her? I was like, I don't know. I'm going to do her. She's just amazing. <laughs> and especially because I thought she was kind of such a, a well-known famous figure and then you're reading articles and it's like yeah so she only recently got the credit for everything that she did before that it was like mm. no no see these other kind of white cisgendered people were doing it and you're like oh okay mm. but <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I rattled mm. through that I feel I'm gonna have to take a break and get a drink <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and then we'll be back yep Yep. Okie dokie. Hey, Christy, what do we talk about on our podcast? Well, Ashley, we talk about all kinds of weird stuff. Like aliens. And ghosts. And cults. And cryptids. And witches. And murders. Yeah, even sometimes murders. Basically, we talk about all kinds of weird shit. Oh, I already said that. Oh. So yeah, if you like weird topics, feminist rants, and the occasional F-bomb, you should listen to us. We post new episodes every other Monday. Find us online at thatsweird.org. And subscribe to That's Weird on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello. And welcome back. Yes. So it's um, my turn. <laughs> yes, it is. So I did. She is called Lucretia Mott. Ooh, okay. So she was an early feminist activist and a strong advocate for ending slavery. I like her. I like her. And she was a very powerful speaker. So she do lots of like public speaking and she dedicated her whole life to speaking out against race, racial and gender injustice. Yes. <laughs> I know, she's wonderful. So, she was born on the 3rd of January, 1793. Okay. On Nantucket Island, Massachusetts. Nantucket Island? Is there an island off Massachusetts? Must be. I don't know. Every time I read Nantucket, I think she lives in a bucket and she's from Nantucket. And I don't know why. Okay. I mean, that must be like some kind of like nursery rhyme you learned as a kid. <laughs> Yep, probably. She was the second child of Thomas Coffin Jr. Mm-hmm. and Anna Folger. Okay. Um, which I just think is interesting because they have the last name Coffin. <laughs> that bodes well. Yeah. So her father was a ship captain, and so she he was away from the family a lot. All right. But then it, it got kind of dangerous, uh, him being away so much, so he just moved the whole family to Boston and became a merchant when Lucretia was 10. Okay. That's quite cool. Mm-hmm. So she was raised a Quaker, which I always have... I feel like I have an internal bias that is just, like, Quakers are bad, but I don't know where that's come from. I have the opposite. 
But no, like reading this, I'm like, oh, wait, Quakers are really good. Why don't I just become one of them? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I first learned about Quakers, other than like Quaker Oats, I first knew about <laughs> Quakers from um, when I studied them at, at school. And I was studying them, I was just like, mm. they just sound like the, 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 the type of Christian that's just like, we're not bothered. We're, we don't, we, we don't want to, you know, get into anybody's mm. shit. Just want to sit back. You do you. We do we. It's fine. <laughs> I think I got it from Quaker Oats because the packaging like... is like it looked like them Puritans who showed up in America. Oh. And I just associated that with Quakers, the religion, I think. Okay. And I so say, I just like... thought, you know, they're probably bad. I thought you were going to say, like, you just hate Quaker Oats so much, you were like, no, just <laughs> anything associated with them must be bad. Yeah, I didn't want to support the breakfast cereal and also support a religion. <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> so yeah, the religion, it stressed equality of all people under God. Mm-hmm. Which I did not know. Yeah. But So she attended a Quaker boarding school in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. And then in 1809, her, her family moved to Philadelphia and then two years later, she married her father's business partner, James Mott, who okay. she had six children with. That's you know, so many children. There's a lot of children. And also, seeing the picture of this woman, I immediately just thought that she was a bad person. And I don't know why. Oh my like, god. It wasn't to do with Quakers or anything. She just looks like a really grumpy white woman who is, like, against everything. But she's I mean, the exact about... opposite. <laughs> if you think about how long it took to, like, have your picture taken then, I think if I was told to sit still for that long, every picture of true. me would look like I wanted to kill you. <laughs> that is very true. I didn't consider that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Valid point. Yeah. <laughs> So when her father died in 1815, he left the mother with a mountain of debt, which... How can So she... I know. So she and her husband and her mother all joined forces to get themselves out of debt. Okay. Um, so Mott taught at a school and her mother went back to running a shop and her husband operated a textile business. Cool. Oh, mm-hmm. everybody kind of working together. I like it. Mm-hmm. All doing their own part. Yeah. So, um, Quakerism. Is that what it's called? I think Quaker. so. Quakers. Quakerites. Yeah. Quakerites. <laughs> um, slavery was considered evil. So, her and a lot of other Quakers refused to use cotton cloth, cane sugar, and other slavery-produced goods. Amazing! I know! This is, like, early 1800s, too. Yeah! They must have quite struggled to, like, have avoided those materials. I know. I have no idea how they survived, but they must have done. They survived Um, on their morals. They did. So, she became a Quaker minister in 1821, Mm -hmm. which... Didn't know you could have women ministers and Quakers. I suppose they're just kind of... Everybody do what they Why are they not the most common religion rather than Catholics? Because because Quakers never went around killing people, I suppose. (laughs) 
Did the Catholics really do that, though? Did the Catholics kill people? Wait, did they? I know they I... killed... Oh, no. Who killed Jesus? Jesus? The Jewish people. Alleged. Oh. I think. Yeah. But he was king of the Jews. I think we're getting mildly off topic. Yeah. <laughs> so, as a minister, she, with the help of her husband, travelled extensively around the US to deliver sermons which would preach like anti-slavery stuff and she would mm-hmm. preach in a lot of black parishes as well mm. and she was she and her husband they both argued for uh, the abolitionist cause nice. which yeah and they were members of the American Anti-Slavery Society in the 1830s. And the guy who made that was William Lloyd Garrison. And Mm -hmm. he would encourage women's participation in the society. So it was writers and speakers in the anti-slavery movement. So she just fully embraced this and like fully committed herself in it. So then she went on to find or found the Philadelphia Female Anti-Slavery Society in 1833. And she was always criticised for her behaviour because it's not acceptable for a woman to be so outspoken and to talk to an audience of both genders. Mm. Um, And also because according to St Paul, a woman's place should be she should be quiet in church. I and just, so, why? therefore, why? she was promiscuous. What? I Those don't. aren't linked. <laughs> I know. I don't quite know. I feel like that just sums up. Do you think they know. just kind of picked out any insult they could against women and were like, <laughs> well, if one applies, I'm going to apply the rest. It's like, that. I mean, insults don't work that way. But uh, if you must. Yeah. Mm. But she, despite this, just carried on and uh, she managed the household uh, budget so that she could house some fugitive slaves. Whoa! Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh! Mm -hmm. And also donated a lot to charity. And she, she was praised for her ability to maintain her household while contributing to the cause in a, in a, article that says she is proof that it is possible for a woman to widen her sphere without deserting it cool Mm -hmm. so her and a lot of other female activists they organized a lot of anti-slavery fairs Mm -hmm. which would raise awareness and money which just tried to advance the movement forward and there was also some talks where people weren't sure whether the fact that she was a woman speaking out so openly was a good thing or not. Like, they were so uncertain because the Grimke sisters, who... The what? The Grimke sisters. Okay. They were also uh, big abolitionists. Mm-hmm. They were also doing a similar thing to her, so people were all like, well, you know, they're doing an alright thing. So, yeah. is it alright? They w- They weren't sure. So, there was three 
National Conventions for Anti-Slavery of American Women Mm -hmm. in 1837, 38, and 39. And she went to all of them. Uh, But during the second one, there was a mob destroyed Pennsylvania Hall, which was a newly opened meeting place, which was built by the abolitionists. And so when they were... I'm not sure if they were in it whilst they destroyed it. Because I guess it was during the convention, so I guess they were. So what Mott did and other black and white women, they all linked arms together to so they could exit the building safely. I know. And, it's uh, just... It's so nice. You know. And then afterwards, the mob targeted her home and black institutions and neighborhoods in Philadelphia as well. And as one of her friends redirected the mob, she just sat in her parlor willing to face her violent opponents. Oh my God. That's so like, I mean, you could imagine someone doing that, say in like the mid 1900s or kind of up to about kind of this day and age. But this is like what, 1830? Yeah, it's pre-Civil uh, yeah. War. It's, it's, it's like unheard of. You couldn't imagine someone being that kind of like headstrong kind of with such modern mm. ideals. Yeah. She is, she's, she's a gem. <laughs> I was thinking, like, because Hamilton, the musical, you know, the music's great, but is he that much of a good person? Oh, No. Well then, no. <laughs> so why isn't there a Mott the musical? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no you know, idea. Lin-Manuel Miranda, get on that, please. Yeah, this is a personal message for... <laughs> <laughs> oh, so there was a, a World Anti-Slavery Convention in London mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. 1840, and she, she met a, a fellow... Uh, what is it called? Like... They had the same interests and activists. Oh. There we go. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> they had the same interests. Uh, activists, that was the word. <laughs> she, uh, which was Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Which okay. Is, she's quite a famous name who I hadn't heard of, but it says she was famous. Um, and so at this event, there was uh, a lot of women lined up to speak at it, but then mm-hmm. the men just up and voted being like oh i don't really want the women to speak so they didn't speak and so she was very very angry understandably and so her and elizabeth stanton they then they said once they returned to the united states they were going to have a women's right convention mm-hmm. which happened eight years later Ooh in 1848 but going back a little bit so when she got back from london she started doing she was very like motivated by a lot of the active debate she's had in england mm-hmm. and scotland and so she she went back to they went back to the us wait did i mention that she she got into women's rights from not being able to speak at that convention 
I kind of had gathered that it was like a means to an end, but not kind of like an anger kind of yeah situation. Yeah, because that that's how yeah. she got into it, and I just mm-hmm. I think I forgot to mention that. But, so, <laughs> okay. So she she continued like public lectures, and she do she go to lots of. This is back in the US. She mm-hmm. she went to loads of major cities like New York, Boston, and then she went to a lot of slave owning states as well. Including like Baltimore, Ooh. Maryland, Virginia. Oh my god! And uh, she arranged to meet slave owners to discuss the morality of slavery with them. <laughs> that was, and, I mean, I, 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 I give her, you know, credit for like the gall, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. That feels kind of like a a terrible situation. I know, but she she did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so she perfectly timed one of her lectures mm-hmm. in Colombia to coincide with the return of Congress from Christmas recess. So more than 40 congressmen attended her lecture. And so she, and she then had a personal audience with the president, John Tyler, who was so Whoa. impressed by her speech. He said i would like to hand mr calhoun over to you and he was the senator and abolition opponent Mm -hmm. so he was just like yeah you can deal with him (laughs) and then that was that and she so when then also back a few years after this she she was the founder and president of the Northern Association for the Relief and Employment of Poor Women in Philadelphia. Oh my god. She, she did so much. And then the the women's rights convention that she held was in eighteen forty eight and it was it's called the Seneca Fall Convention. Mm-hmm. Which it was attended by hundreds of people, including the noted abolitionist Frederick Douglass. Oh, and that name rings a bell. I don't know who he is. But no, I that's fine. Carry on. He is significant. Mm-hmm. He was a leading spokesman for the abolition of slavery and racial equality. Oh, that's probably why I've heard of him then, yeah. So, her and Stanton... Um, made a declaration of sentiments at this meeting and it demanded the word woman is inserted into the language of the Declaration of Independence. Oh! Yeah. Um, Oh oh my gosh, it's directly like the Hamilton song. Yeah. I love it. Exactly. It all fits. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And it also included a list of 18 women-specific demands which included like divorce, property rights, custody rights, as oh well as the right god. to vote. Um, oh my god! So this was like this is... seventy-five years before they actually got the vote. Yeah. Um, and this all helped launch the women's suffrage movement. Oh my god! How was this never spoken about? I know I you know. say that all the time, but like, I I appreciate that like the suffragettes movement was kind of like the the thing that then kind of gave women specifically in this country kind of the vote but no one talks about kind of like the anything before that if you know what to mean no. other than just women's internal anger mm-hmm. 
And so also in 1848 she I don't think she liked electoral politics but her fame had like pushed her up in the ranks so that during the National Convention of the Liberty Party she was five of the 84 voting delegates voted for her to be the party's candidate for the office of the US vice president Christ and then in delegate voting, she placed fourth in a field of nine. Whoa. <laughs> so, like, she could have been Hillary Clinton of without minus problematicness. <laughs> well, I mean, even... Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of hard to imagine that kind of, like, we could have... Well, not us personally, but, like, in America, they could have had, like, a... A female like vice president so early on in their history, if you know what I mean, because I feel mm-hmm. like if it had already happened, there would have have been no discussion about. Well, there still would have Especially been, if it been was less her. of a discussion. <laughs> yeah, about there having been another one, because obviously now it's a massive thing about should there be a, a female president, and it's like mm-hmm. can you imagine if there had already been one, and you'd the, the debate just wouldn't be there. Yeah, and Donald Trump would have been laughed out of the room. Oh, what a utopia to live in. It's like, I'll never remember when someone told me that if, after Obama had finished his eight years, then Hillary Clinton went straight in, she did eight Mm -hmm. years, then there would Mm -hmm. be 16-year-olds in the world who had never had a white male president. Yeah. Like, that'd be incredible, but no, we can't have that. I know, yeah. Was it something I was reading and it's when I think it was someone who was brought up when Margaret Thatcher was in office and they mm-hmm. said that because obviously they've been brought up with Margaret Thatcher being the Prime Minister they didn't even think that men were able to do the job because they were just like well, well that's a job that women do and it's like can you imagine living in a world where you're just like well women do that job men don't do it which is not a good thing <laughs> but it's like yeah. it's a complete flip of the, the norm, the norm. Yeah. yeah and it's like having heard that everybody can kind of go oh that's weird that's a bit wrong if you know what i mean it should be equality it's like yeah but no one's ever questioned that the millions and billions of you know young girls that grow up with men on you know city being able to you know prime uh prime minister and president and just go well that's a man's job i don't know it's it's weird but yeah yeah it's just stupid yeah So, over the next few decades, her focus became women's suffrage. Mm -hmm. And so, Katie Stanton is usually credited as the leader of this, as, like, women's suffrage and women's rights movement and stuff. But uh, Mott was her mentor, so they did work together and, like, inspired events and made events for, to help the cause. And her Mm -hmm. sister also got involved and helped organise conventions and sign declarations and stuff. Mm -hmm. So after the convention, she... It became an annual convention. And she she published a... I think it's... I'm guessing it's a book called A Discourse on Women. And it's all about reasons about why women have faced oppression throughout history. 
I really hope it's basically a book and on every single page uh, it just says misogyny and on the next page just says misogyny and then it's, so it's just that for like 300 pages and she just hands it in and goes there is my manuscript I expect the uh, the finished product in a month <laughs> yep <laughs> so while she was also like being focusing on women's rights she continued to fight to end slavery as well and her and her husband they both protested the passage of the fugitive slave act um of Which 1850 is... i think it's the if you if a slave has, has escaped oh okay yep i even reading it i don't know <laughs> but it's interesting <laughs> because obviously we're talking about a woman who wants slavery to be kind of abolished and i kind of i just had to double check because uh, i remember kind of learning about it in one of the classes because i obviously i took a writing in the caribbean module and so the time around which slavery was abolished was very significant for like caribbean writing oh, yeah so there's mm-hmm. kind of like two dates that slavery was abolished so you had okay. the and this is i think looking at the british kind of law rather than um, anywhere else but the uh, so slavery like the slave trade was abolished in the early 1800s yeah so there was two dates so the first one is when the uh, abolishment of slave trade happens so no mm-hmm. longer could you trade slaves like take them from their homeland and take them to somewhere else in order to be slaves and that ended in 1802 but then the okay. actual abolishment of slavery, so you were no longer allowed to keep slaves, well, abo- was abolished in 1834. Okay, in the UK. So that was kind of, yeah, the UK's law. And I assume America were kind of around the same time? Because there's the Civil War in America. Well, was... that's... Yeah, that's what I did put... I didn't... Yeah, was that then... A different because then the civil war was was it 61 to 65 i'm gonna hazard a guess around that yeah yeah so i don't know i, I seen then were america then after us yeah i think ah. they were because there was a big thing with if a slave sat on british stood on british soil they're a free man ah yes oh it says here that yeah, so in 1865, slavery was then prohibited in half the... St- oh, no. Up until 65, it was prohibited in half the states. But then it was prohibited nationally by the 13th Amendment. Yeah. And that's which is civil rights. Not civil rights. The Civil War. Yes. So when that ended... The northern states got rid of it, pro- and then it was just enforcing it in the southern states. Yeah. Was it like the Mason-Dixie line? was the thing that separated the states maybe i think i think yeah <laughs> i think someone told me that recently they were like this is like the line and then the north were kind of the union oh, soldiers okay. and the south were confederate soldiers that's probably not as clear cut as it was but i think that's no. kind of like the basic um... i think we need to like have a disclaimer that we are british we don't learn <laughs> yeah. about like well i haven't learned about the american civil war no i didn't in schools either. The only my knowledge of it comes from Gone with the Wind, so <laughs> like I, I, 
I'm sure like Americans are screaming at us for getting it all wrong, but we just did not learn this. It's not in our curriculum. <laughs> yeah, mine's even worse. Mine's from just like you, you know the uh, the Beautiful Creatures series, and that's that's like a modern day <laughs> book where they just reflect upon what was happening then. So mine's mm-hmm. even more of a tenuous like link. So, but yeah, I think that's. So, but that's a long time. But then I know because I watched the documentary, and I made you watch it one night, uh, which was the thirteenth documentary oh, yeah. about the Thirteenth Amendment that said that you could no longer hold slaves unless uh, they'd they were in prison. I think it is. So it's oh, like yeah. obviously like slavery was still going on. I think still is going on, but just in prisons. So, but that's mm-hmm. another topic for another day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so. After the Civil War, yes, she <laughs> she became one of the first president of the American Equal Rights Association, which advocated for universal suffrage, and she she also joined Elizabeth Stanton in decrying the Fourteenth and Fifteenth Amendments to the Constitution, which was for granting the vote to black men even though it was not for women as well. But she just, you know, was trying to get black men rights. Okay. As well. Like, not in it, like, she was just ignoring the women. It was just, she had the opportunity, so she she took, I don't know. Yeah. And I suppose it's like, get get your foot in the door kind of situation. Once you've got Mm. so many people in, you're like, oh, can we just, you know, push for also including people of... uh, another gender into that please yeah it's just really sad though because she was born in 1793 or 7 so she she was never alive to see women get the vote yeah and i always kind of hate that situation because it's like like... at least 40 50 years on on it as well from her death I do kind of feel like with this person specifically, by the sounds of it, she had no doubt that it would come to fruition, though, if you know what I mean. Like, she was fighting for it. Yeah. She was like, it, it's going to come. If if she didn't, someone else was going to take it over and that it would happen. Mm-hmm. So although it's really sad she never got to see it, I am kind of sure that she died knowing that it was going to happen. Yeah. It's kind of like you pushed the barrel up the hill. And then once you get over the hill, it just, it's smooth sailing. Well, not always, but you know, there's some bumps. Yeah, it's like the the syphysis story that goes well. (laughs) Yes. So she was also involved with uh, establishing Swarthmore College. And when she was making this, she made instrumental that co-education was the norm for this college. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was created with that in mind and like now that's it's one of like the premier li- liberal arts colleges in the in the u.s because I, I hadn't heard of it before but maybe okay <laughs> so she she dedicated um, as her activism to all forms of human freedom so she would she was for women's rights black rights, suffrage, education, economic aid, and she was like a major role in the women's suffrage movement through her whole life. 
my and god. On the November eleventh, eighteen eighty, she died of pneumonia at her home and in Pennsylvania. She was buried near to the highest point of the Fairhill Burial Ground, a Quaker cemetery in North Philadelphia. Oh, I mean, she lived to quite a good age. Yeah, she was 87. Yeah, which, I mean, for the time, is quite very good. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so much. I know. So, the... Um, her legacy, she has a few legacies. Um, so, the Equal Rights Amendment from 1923 was, uh, ended up being named the Lucretia Mott Amendment. Whoa! Uh, oh my yeah. gosh, that's quite a, a legacy to leave. I know. And then she was on a stamp with El- Elizabeth Stanton as well. And she she is she was inducted in the Women, National Women's Hall of Fame in eighty no in nineteen eighty three, so you know, a bit late but yeah got there eventually. Well, yeah, better late than never. Yeah, but she is commemorated along with Elizabeth Stanton, Susan B. Anthony, in a sculpture which was made by Adelaide Johnson um, mm-hmm. in. The Capitol, which was unveiled in 1921, which I think, not as bad, only 30 years after her death. Yeah. It could be better, Again. but you know, something. Yeah. Oh, and then in 2016, the US Treasury Department announced that she will appear on the back of the newly designed $10 bill. Whoa! Yep. Along with Sojourner Truth, Susan B. Anthony, and Elizabeth Cady Stanton, Alice and Alice Paul, and uh, the 1913 Women Suffrage Procession. Amazing. So that is yet to come. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, wicked. I know, and that is Lucretia Mott. Amazing. Well picked. I know. I know though, because uh, yesterday, because obviously we like to check that we don't have the same person, mm-hmm. and we're trying to work out how to work out who the other person had without actually knowing. And there was yeah. a bit when you thought we had the same person, and I thought we had the same person for a bit. <laughs> well, we we managed to keep it pretty separate, actually. Wow, amazingly picked. Yeah. But they did overlap a little bit. I noticed not as in like time wise, in just like similar circumstances. Yeah. Because. Oh, there was something with yours that I've now completely blanked on. <laughs> there was something that was similar. Yeah. But... I, I think it yeah. was when the women were told to shut up. Yeah. Because... Yeah, and then that's like the... Where... Johnson was... Got kind of pushed out. Because she wasn't yeah. white. Yeah. Cause so you're having to kind of... You're trying to focus on one bit, but because there's something else as well that people are saying no no no, be quiet you're like well okay well i'm gonna fight for this other thing and then i'll get back to fighting for that main thing i was trying to originally Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh no i just read this it is just said the designs for the new five ten and twenty dollar bills 
which will be available in 2020. They're all in conjunction with the 100th anniversary of American women, women the ra- winning the right to vote via the right. 19th Amendment. I didn't know that. That's so cool. Neither did I. Oh, and uh, also speaking about pretty cool things that are coming up for um, American history women, uh, have you seen the new trailer for Harriet, which has come out? No. There's a trailer, and it's a film about Harriet Tubman. Ooh, I've heard the name, but I don't... It looks good. She was, she was a, a freed uh, American slave who then kind of went back and was also getting then other slaves out of uh, oh, plantations. Wow. It looks amazing. I'm very, very excited to go and watch it. But, mm. yeah. I mean, I feel like the last few... T- well, two episodes have been kind of sad. Yeah. But, like, yeah. they're just so good it's sad. I suppose, yeah, this one's a nice one. People did good things. Mine didn't have a happy yeah. ending, but it's, you know, happy middle, I guess. happy Sort of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like we need to work out a better way to round these episodes off. We do. We need, like, a, some dumb catchphrase. <laughs> a dumb catchphrase. Well, I don't have any for the time being. Oh, Women you but... later. Oh, God. Good Lord. <laughs> Um, uh, but I do have, you know, we have like a recommendation kind of thing that we yes. do. So something mm-hmm. that's been kind of like created by a woman. So I told you about this kind of recently, but it's a musical I really liked. It's called Indecent. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And it was written by a woman called Paula Vogel. And I would really recommend people go and watch it. Well, to because mm-hmm. uh, a version of it up online, it's not bootlegged, so don't worry, of the play. It got filmed professionally by <laughs> PBS. Um, and it's about um, a Jewish play that got banned from Broadway because it has its central kind of romance between two women. So I would say, like, to people to go watch it because it's really, really good. And the music's amazing and the actors are really, really good. And, yeah, so, yeah, that's my recommendation for the week. Mm-hmm. I have a suggestion is mm-hmm. that someone writes a musical about these women <laughs> what all of the women yep yeah every just, single just, one just a and musical about loads. women yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we'll be well, the historical advisors <laughs> I don't think I don't think I know much enough to do that but I did watch no me uh, neither but I, I do it anyway yeah, did I tell you about, I went to go watch, it was kind of a musical, kind of just a play, but they had a song at the end, that was about the suffragette movement in York. No, I wanted to go see that so badly, but I didn't get to see it. It was on at a really awkward time as well, it was like mm-hmm. the, the very beginning of September, so I wasn't, like, we weren't quite back for uni, but no, it was really, really good, and that was kind of like celebrating women, uh, kind of. In history, obviously, it was about a specific set of women, mm-hmm. and then the at the end of it, the stage then changed. So you had all of the suffragettes on stage, and then mm-hmm. the backdrop changed, and it became a polling station, a modern day polling station. Whoa! It was really, really good, and then they started singing about the right to vote. But yeah, that's that was kind of a, a musical about mm. it. But yeah, so uh, yeah, feel free to say your what was your catchphrase again. <laughs> Women, you later. Women, you later. <laughs> and we shall speak to you next week. Yeah. Yeah. Feel free Bye. to send in a better catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, we'll think of something. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Bye. Bye.